Like Tom was saying, September 11th, 2001 was a day that changed many things for a lot of Americans. The largest scale terrorist attack on our country left a whole lot of people reeling. And it's one of those days that you kind of remember where you were at when it happened, right? Like I was in my apartment at home, I was getting ready to go out to work up in Indy, and uh, just for some reason turned on the news that day and saw that something had happened at the World Trade Center, and, and then I flipped over to CNN and saw the second plane hit live. And, you know, at that point, you're just thinking, well, that's not an accident. Um, but after hearing of the plane that hit the Pentagon and the one that hit uh, the one that went down in Pennsylvania as well, uh, both, watching both towers fall, and then hearing of thousands of people who had died, a lot of people were overwhelmed. And in the aftermath, churches were filled with people after, and uh, they're, they're turning to God in that time of hurt and confusion and fear. A lot of people question God as well, like, where was he in all of this? And, you know, that's always one of the biggest questions for non-believers, right? They, they ask, you know, why, why is there evil if God is good? Why does he allow that kind of pain and suffering and things like that? But as the people went to churches on that first Sunday following the attacks, a lot of preachers turned to the Psalms, and a lot of them turned to specifically the 27th Psalm. And that's what we're going to look at today as we continue our, our series that's called Summer in the Psalms, where we're taking one psalm a week, and today is Psalm 27. So if you have your Bibles, you want to turn to that psalm, it's uh, somewhere close to the middle uh, of your Bibles, if you're not sure. But this psalm, like many others, is written by David. And we know from accounts in First and Second Samuel that David had, had to run from enemies throughout his life. The jealous King Saul tried to kill David multiple times, and then he hunted after him, forcing David to flee to the wilderness, and even among enemy nations. And then David's own son, Absalom, uh, tried to overthrow him as king, and again he was forced to flee. Even in the midst of this, though, David kept trusting that the Lord would be his salvation. And that's what we're going to see today as we look into this psalm. We're going to see that we're going to be able to find strength when we're in God's presence. So let me read the psalm to you in full, and then we'll kind of break it down. So Psalm 27, starting in verse 1, of David. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked advance against me to devour me, it's my enemies and my foes who will stumble and fall. Though an army besiege me, my heart will not fear. Though war break out against me, even then I will be confident. One thing I ask from the Lord, this only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. For in the day of trouble, he will keep me safe in his dwelling. He will hide me in the shelter of his sacred tent and set me high upon a rock. Then my head will be exalted above the enemies who surround me. At his sacred tent, I will sacrifice with shouts of joy. I will sing and make music to the Lord. Hear my voice when I call, Lord. Be merciful to me and answer me. My heart says of you, seek his face. Your face, Lord, I will seek. Do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger. You've been my helper. Do not reject me or forsake me, God, my Savior. Though my father and mother forsake me, the Lord will receive me. Teach me your way, Lord. Lead me in a straight path because of my oppressors. Do not turn me over to the desire of my foes, for false witnesses rise up against me, spouting malicious accusations. I will remain confident of this, 
I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong, take heart, and wait for the Lord. In the first part of the psalm, it starts by giving us a threefold description of who God is. Verse 1 says, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? So he starts, David starts with, The Lord is my light. We live in a world that can be pretty dark at times. A lot of kids are scared of the dark, right? They can imagine a lot of things that aren't really there. So what do we do for them to help them sleep? We get them a nightlight, right? When I go on vacation, a lot of times I go down to Florida and visit my brother down there. And when his kids were younger, they slept with nightlights. I slept in a basement, so I don't like nightlights. I like, I like dark. So... I would unplug the nightlight from the wall. Well, then the kids would turn on the hallway light, which there's this, like, grate in Florida houses that's basically, you know, it doesn't do anything. It just lets air out or in. I don't know. But it also lets light in. And it's like daylight when you're me. And so I'm just like, we can't. We can't do this. And they're like, no, Nick, we've got to. I'm afraid of the dark. I'm like, I don't care. (laughs) I was like, let's compromise at least. So we turn on the bathroom light and like shut the door a bit so I could kind of sleep and they could sleep better. I don't know. But that's what light does, right? It illuminates the dark. St. Bernard, not the dog, um, said, Adorable son, I cannot walk without thee. Enlighten my steps and furnish this barren and ignorant mind with thoughts worthy of thee. Adorable fullness of light and heat, be thou the true noonday of my soul. Exterminate its darkness, disperse its clouds, burn, dry up, and consume all its filth and impurities. Divine sun, rise upon my mind and never set. Even though this world can be dark, light has come into this world. Jesus is that light. In John twelve forty six, he says, I've come into this world as a light so that no one who believes in me should stay in darkness. Earlier in John chapter 8, verse 12, it says that when Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. That's one of those seven I am statements that he said. I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. David says, the Lord is my light. He illuminates my path. And he is also my salvation. David had enemies in this world, but he knew that the Lord was where he was going to find salvation. We have an enemy in this world, a spiritual enemy in Satan. And we can find salvation in the Lord only through Christ Jesus. John 3.16, one of the most famous verses, probably the most famous verse for the Lord. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. This is how Paul describes salvation in Titus, chapter 3, verses 4 through 7. But when the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared, he saved us, not because of righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that, having been justified by his grace, we might become heirs, having the hope of eternal life. The Lord is my light. 
The Lord is my salvation. He's the only one who can save me. And the Lord is the stronghold of my life. Stronghold is something that provides protection from an enemy. Think like a fortress with its high walls and and elevated position. Only this fortress will never be breached because it it is the Lord. He is the stronghold for my life. We are protected from our enemies. When the Lord delivered David from his enemies and and Saul, David sang a song praising God in 2 Samuel 22, verse 3. He says, My God is my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation. He is my stronghold, my refuge, and my Savior. From violent people, you save me. So we can find safety and refuge in our Lord, in the stronghold who is our Lord. And so the Lord is our light, our salvation, our stronghold. That leads David to ask the question, of whom shall I be afraid? Psalm 27, 2 and 3 says, When the wicked advance against me to devour me, it is my enemies and my foes who will stumble and fall. Though an army besiege me, my heart will not fear. Though war break out against me, even then I'll be confident. Thinking about my brother, I remember when we were kids, my brother and I, we did not always get along as good brothers do. We fought. I I guess you can't really call it a fight if it's one-sided. You know, there would be one person fighting and me being beaten up. (laughs) There were times, though, that we'd start to get into it. Mom and dad were home, one of them, and so I would run to them because I knew that he wasn't going to be able to get me if I were hiding behind them. And it worked. But of course, as any young, dumb kid would do, I would make a face or something to get them all riled up, because I'm like, you can't do anything. And then as soon as I was outside that protection, he would do something. (laughs) And it would hurt. But while I was with him, he couldn't touch me, couldn't touch me. That's the same kind of confidence we can have when, when we are being protected by our Heavenly Father. Nobody, nobody can touch you. I mean, he spoke the entire universe into being and everything in it. So who can do anything against him? Remember the words of Paul in Romans 8, 31 through 35. We're, we'll skip verse 34 because we'll come back to it later. But verse 31 of Romans 8 says, What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? Because it's God who justifies. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? The answer is a little bit later, no. None of those things. Because the Lord is our light, our salvation, our stronghold. He guides us. He saves us. He protects us. And we can have confidence because we are his. He has adopted us. David continues the psalm then by asking something of the Lord. Just one thing. He says in verse 4, One thing I ask from the Lord, this only do I seek that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in in his temple. For in the day of trouble, he will keep me safe in his dwelling. He will hide me in the shelter of his sacred tent and set me high upon a rock. 
Then my head will be exalted above the enemies who surround me, and at his sacred tent I will sacrifice with shouts of joy. I will sing and make music to the Lord. There's only one thing David wants, and that is to dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of his life. His desire is for fellowship with God, with God, not the things that are associated with God, the things around God, but with God himself. That desire, it's reminiscent of what David wrote in Psalm 23, 6, where he says, surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. There is no greater place to be in this world than being with the Lord. Our culture, the world today, it, it wants to drive you away from that. Just the way we live our lives wants to drive us away from that. I mean, how many times do we say, well, I'm too busy you know, to do Bible reading or to pray or to do things like that? I just got too busy this week. How many times do we wish that we just had a little bit more time how many times do you find yourself like scrolling endlessly on social media or something? Like I'm guilty on that. Binge watching a TV show. I don't know. Like I'm not. I'm not saying these things to make you feel guilty or anything. I'm just like we fill our days anymore. Every minute of those days with something, and we we don't take the time to just slow down and be with God. That's what David's asking for. He says, like, "I just want to be with you, Lord." I want to dwell in your house, in your temple forever. What does that look like? Well, he says it's gazing on the beauty of the Lord, enjoying him. Isaiah saw the beauty of God when, in, in, in Isaiah 6.1. He says, I saw the Lord high and exalted, seated on a throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. We can see God's beauty all around us, too. I mean, think about the things that God created. Like, we're filled with awe and wonder at the created world, the beauty of it. I had some friends recently who traveled to Colorado, and it just reminded me when I had gone out there and gone up Pikes Peak and stuff, and, and just the absolute beauty of that area. Or I or, uh, had some other friends who went up to South Dakota and Black Hills and some of the pictures that they've posted and stuff. I was like, man. It's gorgeous up there. Psalm 19.1 says, The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of His hands. We gaze on His beauty. We seek Him in His temple. David talks about the safety and security he's gonna find, he finds in the temple of the Lord. He says that the Lord will keep him safe and hide him, and he, he'll do the same for us. David also says that the Lord will give him triumph over his enemies. All this just continues to speak of that confidence that we can have when the Lord has us under his wing. Now, I always feel like I need to clarify this because that, that doesn't mean that everything is going to go perfect in this life because we live in a broken world, right? And it wasn't perfect for David. And as we see in this prayer, the tone shifts here. It shifts to one of lament and maybe even some anxiety. So let me read just the next section, verses 7 through 12. He says, Hear my voice when I call, Lord. Be merciful to me and answer me. My heart says of you, seek his face. Your face, Lord, I will seek. Do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger. You've been my helper. 
Do not reject me or forsake me, God, my Savior. Though my father and mother forsake me, the Lord will receive me. Teach me your way, Lord. Lead me in a straight path because of my oppressors. Do not turn me over to the desire of my foes, for false witnesses rise up against me, spouting malicious accusations. You see the, you see the shift, right? Like you see it going from such confidence to things where he's like, hear my voice when I call. Be merciful to me, answer me. I mean, that's spoken like somebody who's got experience where he's like, you know, I know you're there, but I don't always hear your voice. I don't always hear your answer. I don't see your answer to the prayers all the time. Please answer me. I'm sure a lot of us in this room have had those kinds of prayers. where We're just waiting for an answer. And, and it seems like it's never going to come or, or the answer might be something different than what we were hoping. All that confidence that we had can go away pretty quick. In verse 8, David says, my heart says, seek his face. And so your face I'll seek, Lord. Everything is telling David, his heart, his being, everything. It's saying, seek after God. To not give up, but to seek after him. To be persistent. Continue to look to him. And as we see David plead with the Lord, he says, don't turn your face from me. Don't turn away from me. Don't reject me. Don't forsake me. How easy is it for us to feel that way when we're away from our protection? You know, like I was all big and brave when I was hiding behind my parents. I was not big and brave when I was not. When it was just my brother and I, I found a bathroom because it had a lock on it. Because I was, I was afraid of what was going to happen. But we've always got to remember, God is still near us. He is always near us. I mean, later in the Psalms, it's like, where, where can I go where you're not there? I think David knew this well. He asked God to teach him, teach him the way of the Lord. He also asked God to lead him down that straight path. And he asked God not to turn him over to his enemies and their desires. And again, we go back to Psalm 1 and those two paths that we can take. There's that path that leads to destruction, the way that makes a person like chaff, a worthless husk that's easily blown away by the wind. And then there's that path of righteousness, which is the one the Lord watches over. In Psalm 145, verse 20, it says, The Lord watches over all who love him, but all the wicked he will destroy. And a lot of times in the Psalms, you're going to see verses like this group here in Psalm 27. You're going to see passages where the author is like pleading with the Lord to hear him. Where they feel like God may not move or act, and they, they put that into the Psalm. They put that into their prayer. But it usually doesn't stay there. It usually just doesn't stay in that lament or, or pleading, and it doesn't hear either. Because he continues in verse 13, he says, I remain confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Like, I will see it. He's like, no matter how dark things are going to get, no matter how difficult things are in this world, the Lord still reigns. He is still on his throne. Remember at the end of Psalm 23 again, I'll, I'll read it again. Like, Surely your goodness and your love are going to follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. We can have confidence because God reigns supreme. And we see the goodness of the Lord even in the dark times. When we have that confident faith in God. 
we will see his goodness in this world. Charles Spurgeon wrote that hope is heaven's balm for present sorrow. We must believe to see, not see to believe. We must wait the appointed time and stay our soul's hunger with foretastes of the Lord's eternal goodness, which shall soon be our feast and our song. David gives his readers some instructions to close out Psalm 27, verse 14. He says, wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. Wait for the Lord. The Lord is not always quick in answering our prayer. Amen? And I mean quick in the sense that we think is quick. But we persist in praying and we wait. We wait on the Lord. How many times will we get up because we think, well, nothing's going to happen. So I'm going to stop. You know, again, I think back to little kids and you you tell them you have to wait or be patient for something. And it's like the worst thing ever possible to happen to them. It's the most difficult thing they ever had to do. Or uh, who's a girl in Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory? Um, Ver- Veruca Salt, right? You know, what was her song? I want it now. And that's how we can act with the Lord sometimes, you know? Like, don't care now. Don't care how. I want it now. But we need to wait on the Lord. I'm, I'm going to quote Spurgeon again because I love how he puts this. He says, wait at his door with prayer. Wait at his foot with humility. Wait at his table with service. Wait at his window with expectancy. But wait on him. Wait on the Lord. And that takes strength. That's why he's like, be strong. Because it takes strength to do that. We can easily falter. You know, that, that takes easy way. That's the easy way to go, right? To just give up. But it takes strength to wait. And it also takes heart. Miles and miles of heart. It takes your whole being to be able to wait on God, to hold on to that faith that you profess as his follower. So wait on the Lord. Be strong and take heart and wait on the Lord. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? We have God Almighty on our side. Let's take that fact to heart. Do remember, though, sometimes we're going to have to wait on the Lord's answer to our prayers. We need to stay strong in the face of adversity, to take heart. Sometimes we're going to need to pray those prayers of lament. We need to express our grief. You don't have to hold on to that. God's got very broad shoulders. He can handle it. We need, sometimes we need to ask God, too, like, do you hear me? Get that out. Talk to him. Keep after it, though. Be strong. Seek his face. And we can remain confident that he does hear us because we have one who is an advocate for us. Jesus Christ presently, right now, sits at the right hand of the Father. As the book of Hebrews says, he is our great high priest who's able to empathize with us in our weaknesses. He was tempted in every way that we are, and yet without sin. As it is written in 1 John 2, verses 1 and 2, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. 
And then going back to Romans chapter 8, verse 34, it says, Christ Jesus who died, more than that who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. So it is with confidence that we can approach the Lord with our prayers. And it is with confidence that we can wait on the Lord as we keep praying those prayers. It is with confidence that we know that he hears our prayers. We started this message by talking about what happened on 9-11 and how that drove people to church. And this was the psalm that they heard. But it doesn't always have to be a life-altering event for us to go to God in faithful prayer with confidence. Maybe today you're here and maybe you're struggling with something that you've, you've not really told any about, anybody about. Or you're, you're, you've got something that's just weighing you down. Maybe you're under attack from the enemy. Or it could be that, that you just feel like God doesn't hear you or answer your prayers. And I hope that you will take heart in just reading Psalm 27 today that you can find strength in the presence of the Lord as he is our light, our salvation, our stronghold. Whom shall we fear? I pray that all of us will desire the same as David, that we will dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of our life. Because as followers of Jesus, we are able to do that. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, Lord, it is our prayer today that, that you would help us. We don't know everything that's going on in this room or people that are watching um, online, but we know that you do hear our prayers. We are confident in that. And we know that you will answer those prayers as well. And Lord, I... I just want to pray for everybody here that may be going through something, that they would be strong, that they would take heart, and that they would just continue to wait on you, Lord. Even though it might seem slow to us, you will answer at the right time in the right way. Help us be confident in that. Help us stay confident, just like, just like we were hiding behind our parents. You are our Heavenly Father, Lord. Help us also be confident of the salvation that you've provided us through your Son, Jesus, to take our sins to the cross, to nail them there and to leave them there, to die and yet to return from the dead conquering death so that we can be with you because you love us so much, Lord. We take the time in our service right now to remember the sacrifice that Jesus made on the cross as we take our communion, the bread representing his body that was broken that day on Calvary, the blood representing, or the, the, the juice representing the blood that was spilled from his body. But Lord, we know it didn't end there. And we're so thankful that he is right now sitting at your right hand, interceding for us, hearing our prayers, 
and being on our side, being our advocate. Thank you so much, Lord. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen.